Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. The speaker featuring a talk from the 58th New York Film Festival with Simon Young, the director of Days, moderated by NYFF Director of Programming Dennis Lim and interpreted by Vincent Chang. The great Taiwanese filmmaker Simon Young has been directing exquisite examinations of alienation, isolation, and the fleeting beauty of human connection, featuring his muse, Lee Kong Shang, for decades. His latest film, Days, will undoubtedly stand as one of his best, sparest, and most intimate works. Lee once again stars as a variation on himself, wandering through a lonely urban landscape and seeking treatment in Hong Kong for a chronic illness. At the same time, a young Laotian immigrant working in Bangkok goes about his daily routine. These two solitary men eventually come together in a moment of healing, tenderness, and sexual release. Among the most cathartic entries in Sai's filmography, Days is a work of longing, constructed with the director's customary brilliance at visual composition and shot through with profound empathy. Days opens in our theaters on August 13th. For tickets and showtimes, visit filmlink.org slash days. Welcome everybody to this uh, talk, one of our talks, one of our deep focus talks. We are lucky enough to have the director Timing Liang with us for an in-depth conversation. If you are joining us now, I'm sure you already know that Simon Liang is one, one of our very greatest filmmakers. I think he is one of a small handful of filmmakers whose work has truly offered us and continues to offer us new ways of seeing and new modes of feeling. Uh, his new feature, Days, is part of our main slate. Um, it's a film I've watched several times now, and I, it's a film that I would say has given me a lot of sustenance over the past year. Watching it again recently, especially during this strange season of isolation that we're all living through has been an especially emotional experience. So uh, without further ado, please welcome uh, and thank you for joining uh, director Simon Liang and also with us to interpret is Vincent Cheng. Thank you both for being with us tonight. I'll start with a pretty broad question. Um, I was wondering if you could say whether your idea of the cinema has changed um, in the time that you've been working and specifically if it has changed in the last decade or so, because this is a, a very interesting period for your work in which you, you work in many different modes, um, making short films, making documentaries, making work for installation, working in a theater, making a VR piece. I'm wondering if working in all of these different modes informed this new film and whether it also changed your idea of, of, of cinema. So to me, to enter this particular industry, I thought uh, the, the only way to make a living to survive is to follow the mode of production within this particular industry, uh, this visual entertainment uh, film industry that I was part of. And I made films, I made theater productions, I was the screen uh, writers and uh, wrote, wrote screenplays, I directed. So I very much followed the, uh, the, the modes, the conventional and the prevalent mode of production for quite 10 to 20 years uh, for quite a while. And basically you come up with the idea for a film and then you search for fundings and then you gather a group of people, your crew, and then you start making films. So this particular type of mode of production 
was very much what I have been following uh, for the past uh, one or two decades. It is not until that when my works and my films were discovered by the art community and they started to somehow open a, another door, uh, another channel uh, for me to show my works in the art museum settings. And because of that, uh, somehow uh, I got to overcome a lot of barriers and obstacles of the, the industry pressures, the industry demands and industry limitation I faced in the past, uh, in the previous 10 to 20 years, I suddenly realized that I have another venue for me to really make very individualized film, very personal film, and I don't have to worry about things that make me very, very tired and very, very fatigued just thinking about the, the whole process, uh, the, the film market, the box office pressure, the part that I actually personally will help sell tickets uh, just to make sure that my film will be shown uh, in the cinema. So that was uh, the reason why I slowly somehow gravitate uh, away from the film industry and trying to think about what will be the other options for me to use very, very uh, low budget, little budget, and use very, very small crew and to make films that, that will not be uh, so involved in terms of its process, its sort of visual labors going from very, very complex and complicated process into something that is very pure, very simple, very personalized, very individualized. And that was the, the journeys I have taken so far. Mm. I'm curious though, if he could say a little bit about whether this has, I guess, affected the, t shaped the kinds of films that he makes um, in, in the last 10 years or so. If I'm not mistaken, Stray Dogs was presented, shown in a cinema, released in cinema, but also uh, presented as an installation. So I'm wondering, you know, if, if, if um, working in different forms uh, in the last 10 years um, has, has changed his thinking about just the possibilities of the medium. And maybe another, another thing to throw in here is um, digital, digital video. I believe Stray Dogs was the first film that um, was shot on digital and whether working with digital has also changed his, his working methods and also his idea of what, what a film should be. So I think that a lot of things that I thought about in the past 10 years is very much about the observers and the viewers of this particular medium we call film. And I, don't, I do think that uh, in the past and right now for the mainstream, media, uh, the mainstream viewers and observers of the film uh, industry, they tend to have very set preconceived notions and also expectations of what they can expect and they want to see when they go to cinema, when they go see a film. They want it to be between 90 to 100 minutes. They want it to have certain meanings, certain listen, learn from this particular film. They want to have certain narratives, certain structures, certain actors and actresses, certain performance that they expect, a certain climax that they expect, certain uh, uh, many of the, uh, the mainstream film elements that they all, uh, all of them expect. 
to have and to, be, to, to, to observe and to experience when they go to a cinema. So to me, I do think that it is hard to change this particular expectation. Um, if you do want to change them, the way they see film, the way they do film and expect film, you do it one step at a time, slowly and gradually. Uh, for me, I have been trying to do that for a long time. And I do find that they are indeed cinephiles and a really smart, very, very um, reflective film viewers and film audience that they are very, uh, they, they, they take options as something that is uh, good, that something is new. They take innovation as something that they crave and they want. They want to see things not in a cookie cutter box. They want to receive really whether or not their films can be made outside of the box. But these audience members, they are few and far in between. And I have personally experienced that, as I mentioned before, I uh, made films in Taiwan and of course this is where I live and I do want to make sure that at least for the Taiwanese market, I have certain level of success in terms of box office. And that's the reason why I mentioned before that I spend a lot of efforts and time personally selling tickets in the streets to, to make sure that I can support the, the screens and also the cinemas that uh, I want to uh, somehow present my film. And every single film, uh, I, I hit a plateau about around 10,000 tickets. And it's always like that. There, it's, there's no accumulative uh, outcome for all the efforts I have done year after year. It's just so that these viewers tend to, they come and they go. And then you have to somehow cultivate another group of new film viewers that can appreciate something that is innovative and something is new and something that is unconventional. So I do think that it has a lot to do with education, art education especially. And I can't help but comparing what's going on in Europe and the US and also with the rest of Asia. I do see that because of the environment that they were in for people in Europe and the United States, because of the the, uh, the, the arts education and also the access to contemporary art museums, somehow they uh, have more access uh, to these different way of expressing yourself artistically, rather than, uh, whereas in Asia, most of the people, they are so used to uh, films as an entertainment, as a very homogeneous way of thinking about film uh, uh, in terms of its purpose. So I do think that there's a big uh, disparity in terms of this type of visual aesthetics, uh, cultivations and education among the viewers in Asia and in the United States and Europe. So I have been trying to think about uh, as the contemporary art museum started to grow in Asia, I, I start to think that maybe this is a, an opportunity for me to somehow uh, use film as a medium to and combine and collaborate with uh, art museum to think about whether or not film could be used and could be shown and could be part of the art education within the art museum setting. And that is why I have been doing what I uh, have been making in terms of the films, not only in terms of its uh, content, but also in the way that it is shown uh, in different venues and different environments.
think one very uh, striking thing about some of your earlier films is this intensely melancholic or nostalgic relationship with classic cinema. Think of Truffaut and Jean-Pierre Leo and What Time Is It There and King Who and Goodbye Dragon Inn and there's actually even a lovely Chaplin reference in, in the new film in Days. I'm just wondering if he can speak to the place that cinema occupies in his life today. He's clearly you know, somebody who had important formative experiences with cinema, but I'm wondering what role cinema plays in his life today. 我从在东南亚,在马来西亚。Everything that I have made so far is a reflection of my own viewing experience growing up. I grew up in a very small town in Malaysia. I remember that when I was three years old, my grandparents already took me to see films daily. And at the time, uh, they were films from Hong Kong, from Hollywood, from Taiwan. And these, are, these were all commercial films that I watched. And at the time, I also had experience not so much as the Hong Kong, Hollywood, and Taiwan, some European film, uh, film from Japan, that these are mostly commercial films, the films more towards the art house ones from Ozu or Akira. They, uh, I didn't have the opportunity to actually see them at the time. It, is, it was not until when I went to Taiwan for my uh, college education that I had the opportunity to go to film archive and film library to start watching those films that I didn't have the access to. These are films that are made by masters. These are classics, um, films not only from uh, the, uh, all the countries I mentioned before, also from India, that I saw quite a few of them uh, at that time. I also I had the opportunity to watch all the uh, European New Wave films and that really somehow filled the void and bridged the gaps of my own personal film uh, development in terms of the, along with the film histories that, uh, that I used to know, and there are certain holes and there are certain things that I didn't have the access to and now suddenly became complete. And I very much uh, admire uh, the films made by those directors that uh, out following the, uh, the, the passage and the, the written records, the film histories, of the film notebook uh, era, that these are the films that I really uh, enjoy. And slowly, I become less interested in making commercial films. I used to think about uh, making Usha commercial films, but then after the access to these different type of classics and these uh, works by masters, I started to realize that th these are the films this, uh, these are kind, the kind of film that I want to make as a filmmaker. So it is an intentional uh, effort that I made to somehow slowly gravitate away from the narrative structure, the narrative components of what does it mean to make films. And uh, to me, it is very much to somehow capture and to reflect my own personal experience growing up and my own personal experience just um, getting older. And I think that because of that type of going, uh, staying away from the narrative and really trying to just capture the true essence of who I am as a person and my uh, daily experience uh, growing up, getting older, and naturally 
these type of movie will show up in my films because that is indeed part of my personal experience uh, as a viewer and as an audience. I'm curious about contemporary films too, but whether he, whether you, do you watch new movies or is it the, these can, this is, do you go back to the canon of films that you referenced or do you continue to discover new work that, that interests you? I do watch contemporary films, but uh, I have to say that I tend not to remember their names uh, or the, the director's names just because I guess I'm getting older. Uh, but I do uh, still constantly exploring old films and uh, those are the films that will continue to find new way to interpret them and to, to feel them and to, to really be moved by them. I remember that uh, almost a year that I spent time watching films, uh, the Hong Kongese films from the 50s online. And these are the films that actually uh, came before me, before I was born. But I found that a lot of the films um, made in Hong Kong in the 50s, they were, they were very, very meaningful. And uh, a lot of family dramas that were very, very captivating. And I found them enjoyable. So I do think that this is uh, something that I just gravitate towards more so than the contemporary films. And I do also think that in comparison, our generation as filmmakers to compare to the older generation as filmmakers, I do think that uh, I, I, I do think that they did it uh, much better than we are doing right now. Uh, for the reason that even though that these older generation masters and filmmakers, they, they also experience commercial pressures and in that particular commercial environment, but you still see a lot of tours, a lot of individualized uh, filmmakings and people keep true to themselves, even with the commercial pre pressures at the time. So I really think that that is also one of the reasons why I tend to gravitate more towards the old films rather than the uh, the contemporary films, but I do watch them. I'm going to ask. I'm just going to ask one question about days because I should tell people that we've recorded a q and A, &A which is available. Um, if you if you watch the film, uh, and the Q and A about days is also on YouTube where we speak more specifically about that film. But I do have one question about it um, that I, I I thought it would be good to bring up now, which is this: um, the film has a a, a, a more than thirty minute. Um, scene of a massage uh, that takes place, a scene of intimacy between two men in a hotel room. Um, and it's very striking, I think, in um, director Sai's body of work. Um, he has had many, there, there are many long extended shots, extended sequences. There are many scenes of sex and sexual release. Um, but those scenes often have an, um, this sort of edge of, of transgression to them. This, this scene is really striking for its tenderness, its extreme tenderness. Uh, and I'm wondering how he sees this particular scene of sexual intimacy fitting in with the many other memorable scenes of, of, of sexual contact and intimacy that are in his work. Yeah, so I do think that has a lot to do with the characters that uh, that you saw and observed with these sex scenes. And that's the reason why you see this dramatic departure from, from the transgressions that you mentioned before. 
it was for the old films, the previous films, the, the sex scenes tend to be in a very unpleasant situations and environments and also with very unpleasant characters. And when I say unpleasant means that these are the people who are either experiencing a certain um, scenario of being cheated or cheating on someone, whether or not this is in the uh, environment of uh, mass debating or environment of or the context of the father and son without knowing each other and have that kind of ancestral uh, relationship or that this could be in, uh, pleasant in terms of in the context of alien body uh, dealing with sex. So I do think that that was uh, sort of came with the characters that, that, and the, the narratives that I want to serve. Whereas this particular uh, scene uh, for days, I do think that there's certain mental preparation for the actors acting out this particular massage scene because of the fact that even though that it, on some level this might be also cheating, quote unquote, but at the same time, there is this transactional element to it that they all, both of them, they both expect that certain things will happen, including the, the release at the end and the, the process of getting massage. And I do think that for most of us or uh, just uh, ordin ordinary people like us, which when we uh, make love, there are certain emotional burdens and um, baggage that we carry with us. Whereas if this is purely transactional, as pretty much ex experienced by these two characters, suddenly it became more enjoyable because you don't have to worry about any type of emotional burdens and baggage because the act of intimacy, it is purely for enjoyment and it is purely transactional. So I do think that not only uh, it is because of the context they're in that make it different from the previous films. I also think that acting-wise, these two actors, they did a very good job uh, trying to express uh, the, the intimacy that uh, these two lonely people experience uh, at this, uh, within this particular short duration of time. Even though that it is 30 minutes long, I do think that if you can let your guard down, you will also be massaged uh, while watching this particular sequence because of the, the technique these Laotian masseur they use. It is not just massaging the, the people or the, the client that they're massaging. They, it almost as if that they're massaging every single person who is observing and also witnessing this particular uh, process. So as I said, um, if you let it happen and really observe and really feel every, every single movement, you will also uh, be massaged and be relaxed by uh, these, uh, this type of human connection to the uh, techniques of massage. And I do think that is also uh, the reason why this particular scene was so powerful and so therapeutic, uh, not only for the actors involved, but also for the viewers. And I remember when we shot this scene, we spent the whole day uh, and it was a very, very enjoyable day and ex enjoyable experience. We didn't tell anyone, including 
the hotel staff that we were there to make films, we just simply check in without telling anyone. And when we start filming this particular scene, and I think the, and it, those are actual rooms that we stay in. And we, uh, and as a result, I do think that it came across as really relaxed and really natural uh, in terms of the way they connect with each other. Hi, I'm Clinton Crute. And I'm Devika Girish. We're the editors of Film Comment. The Film Comment Letter is a free weekly digital newsletter featuring original film criticism and writing by Film Comment's editors and brilliant contributors. The letter delivers exclusive features, reviews, interviews, streaming picks, news, and more directly to subscribers' inboxes every Thursday before they're published on filmcomment.com the following Monday. Sign up today at filmcomment.com to get the letter every week. Support independent film journalism. Support Film Comment. I'm going to ask one more question and then I'll start um, a drawing from uh, the audience questions that have been submitted. Uh, I feel like I have to ask you a question about time since time is kind of the, the subject and the form of, of many of your films. Um, I'm thinking back to the documentary um, Afternoon uh, from 2015, which is basically a long conversation between you and Li Kang-Shang. And one of the things that... Um, you say one of, the, one of the topics that comes up is this idea of how your sense of time changes as you get older. Um, and I'm wondering if that idea can be carried over to his films. Like, does the sense of time in the films change too? Um, and I'm also thinking that one other thing that changes our sense of time is illness. Um, and whether, since, it's, since the films have become to a large degree about the aging body and the ailing body, um, whether the focus on illness has altered the work with duration, the sense of time in the films. As I mentioned before, my films are very much uh, a reflection of my personal and individual experience. And just like everybody else, I will also go through the natural process of aging and getting sick, getting slower, getting more sensitive to my own health. So I, I think that is the reason uh, why that you see the progressions of how I deal with these issues in the most natural way. I really strive for films that can capture something that is real and something that is authentic. And those are the, the most important things I want to uh, present in my films. So I do think that if you think about most of the film productions or even stage productions, that it's always about serving the dramatic narratives. And to me, uh, I, that's not my film. That's not what I want to capture. I don't want to have that kind of dramatic effects in my films. And what I'm trying to capture is the realness, the authenticity, and that takes time in order to see that and to show that uh, through that kind of uh, capture, the daily routine or daily movement, daily ritual in a long span of time. And I do think as a, as a viewer, if you can open yourself up for this type of long and meaningful intense gaze and to really start reflecting on and experiencing the, the daily 
rituals or movements that you make in real time, the same way that you watch the, these behaviors and these rituals being performed in real time on screen, somehow you can not only see things more clear, uh, you can also enjoy your own thoughts and your own feelings about what you just observed of this particular long take during this particular long period of time. And I do think that uh, these long duration or long takes might seem meaningless or empty, uh, but and some people might also find it boring, but these are all calculated components and elements that intentionally put in so that I can achieve that sense of realness and that sense of authenticity. Okay,我的我在影片的剪接上面唱花很长的时间都在做这个判断，就是有多少的有意思，多少的无聊啊，常常每天看都不太一样的，所以到最后最后就会产生一个呃超出大家习惯的那种节奏啊，可是那通常都
we took a very, very long shot of this sunset in an old dilapidated building with the window uh, outside in Bangkok uh, location. And I didn't know how I'm going to use this footage at all. At the time, I just thought that this is beautiful and I want to deposit this particular image into my archive for future use. And it is not until later on during post-production when we were editing the film that we saw the cat. And we thought that was such an, an interesting and playful element to add into it. Uh, it represents another lonely being in the urban jungle of Bangkok. And I do also think that this is such a purely visual scene that I want to present and therefore I just completely make it silent uh, without a sound. And that is a way for me to foreshadow what's about, what is about to come and what is about to happen before the two characters. And it is a very effective way of setting that, the next scene up. And I do also think that while my film, uh, of course, is unsubtitled and without dialogue, but it's a very, very noisy film because I intentionally include a lot of background noise, a lot of ambient noises, and sometimes even amplified the, uh, the background and amb uh, ambient noises just to create and a certain texture to this particular film. And part of what's so unique about film is that you can actually treat your sound the same way that you can treat your uh, images. So to make that sound disappear uh, can really uh, create, almost present this type of dream state that I want to create to set up the, and foreshadow the next scenes to come. And that is the reason why uh, you also see uh, silencing my other films uh, use it with the same purpose and intention. There are actually several questions also um, that are all about uh, Li Kangsheng uh, and the working relationship. Um, I'm going to read Gary Kramer's, um, um, which is specifically about how that working relationship has changed over such a long period of collaboration. And let me throw in one actually, uh, one other, uh, one other sort of uh, extra layer to that question, because in the in the uh, Q and A for days, um, you talked about how you met Anong, um, the actor from Laos. I'm actually curious if you can tell us how you met Li Kangsheng too, and how and then how that relationship has changed. So I met Li Kangsheng in 1991. At the time, I was making a TV series, and I was looking for and trying to cast a rebellious youth uh, as a character. And I remember that day, I, I just finished watching a film in the, in the theater. It's a, a David Lynch film. And I, as I walked out, I saw this particular young person sitting on a motorcycle. And uh, at the time, it turned out that, uh, it turns out that at the time he was working for a gambling video arcade and he was the lookout. Uh, and that's the reason why he was holding onto a walkie-talkie so that he can actually report back whatever, when the police uh, comes or trying to 
R-rated plays. So that, that was, and I, I just found him uh, fit the mode and the, the appearance or the characters that I was looking for. And I struck up a conversation and that's how he became my actor and continued the collaboration for many, many years uh, after that particular encounter. And I do think that in terms of our collaboration and the evolutions and the changes uh, throughout the years, is that now, unlike before, I need to somehow teach and direct him how to get into certain emotional states and how to express those emotional states. Now, I don't have to do that at all. I become very, very relaxed and just let him do whatever he thinks is the best for that particular scene. Uh, for example, for the work, the Walker series, that the short films I made of him just walking uh, in busy urban streets, I will never just say, uh, no good, that start over, because every single long take will be about 30 minutes, and that's gonna take another 30 minutes to capture that natural state that I want him to present uh, in these Walker series. So I just let him walk from point A to point B, however he wants to uh, walk uh, during that particular time and space. And since I'm so familiar with his methods or his way of working, uh, I didn't give him any notes or any instructions for the scene that say to uh, walk in the streets of Hong Kong from one point to the next, about 30 minutes apart. And I just say, walk from here to here. And then he did. He might stop to smoke a cigarette, we'll then stop, wait for him, but we keep the camera rolling and uh, in an, a long, uninterrupted take. And same with the massage scene that you saw in the film, uh, also, uh, I didn't give any notes or any type of direction. I just set up the scenario very, very briefly, and then I trust him and I know how he's going to work within, within that particular space. As uh, far as Anong Hong Shangxi, uh, I met him uh, in one of the trips I took to Thailand, and he was working in a restaurant and I think there's just some an air and about him and the appearance and the the way he looks just somehow capture me and then I started to get to know him uh, through video conferencing started to know a lot of about his daily lives and I found them fascinating and I would like to capture them and deposit into the archive I mentioned before I actually am going to squeeze in one more. I'm going to take because I feel feel bad that the audience hasn't been able to ask the questions. That there are a lot of good ones here. So if you don't mind, I'll throw. Um, there are two questions about your sort of return from retirement. I think a lot of people had assumed that you had retired from, not retired, but retired from filmmaking, maybe. Um, and what, whether the, and I think people are are a little anxious about this, maybe, and and hopeful that you changed your mind. Um, and also, um, Andrew Jacob references the documentary Afternoon that I mentioned and said that you, you talked about retiring in that film. 
but you're looking younger and healthier than ever, and, uh, whether you've found uh, new inspirations uh, in, in, in the years since. So it's just that, just that as, a, as a concluding question. 电影这个行业,它像是一个家族,家族的概念,就是我应该就是这个家族。I really see myself as a member of the film family, and it is hard to escape. And when I say family, I meant I'm part of this family, a long line of auteur filmmakers, part uh, such as, just like the New Waves, Truffaut, as part of that particular family, I feel very much part of that family as well. And that's the reason why I was uh, tired of a lot of the, the habits of making films and the aftermath of facing the pressures and the, the market mechanism and all the interviews that I have to deal with. And I became very, very fatigued and also didn't find pleasure out of uh, all that particular mode of production that I was in. And I am not a very, very um, proactive filmmaker. Uh, in fact, I can say that I'm very passive in a way that I don't have a lot of production plans that I plan to make films and these are the films and ideas, the scripts that I have and I want to make them happen and make it into reality. I, that's not how I make film. I usually make films because someone approached me with the funding and then asked me and commissioned me to make certain films, whether or not this is the river, when it's the whole, the film uh, that I made, what time it is there. It's very much part of the process that uh, it just uh, so happened that someone approached me with this particular opportunities and I naturally, just came up with ideas of the films that I want to make uh, to somehow uh, answer this particular invitation. It, it wasn't pre-planned. It's not as if that I have all the films lined up that I want to make and then look for fundings to fund those films. So I do think that it is the market that uh, I, was, I grew tired of. It is that kind of pressure and all the other unpleasant habits that I used to um, perform or used to do that somehow make me realize that maybe it's time not to do this anymore. I'm a, I always have this dilemma. I feel so conflicted. On the one hand, I really see uh, my creative expression can be best presented through the medium of film. But at the same time, I also feel and grew tired of the industry. And that was the, the conflicted part of me saying that I didn't, I'm not going to make any more films. Uh, it's because of that. So I do think that uh, things might have changed a little bit just because right now I feel as if that I, I'm just going with the flow and I'm destined, uh, almost fated, to actually still make films because suddenly I have a different venue for me to present my creative works through museums, through other uh, way, uh, mediums or media uh, in order for me to somehow uh, have that kind of creative outlet. And I always think of myself as someone who is the, the current situation I always 
think about myself as completely clear-headed and also empty in such a way that it, it, it opens up for many, many different possibilities. And just to share with you that this, this particular year, I already finished three to four short films. Right now, it's, uh, they're in post-production. So uh, it's not as if that I am I'm constantly thinking about the, the narratives or the plot lines or the films I want to make. They, they just happen naturally. And I'm still working. I'm still making films. And especially now, knowing that I have other uh, venues to show my works that give me even more uh, incentive and motivation to to make films. And I do think that uh, right now, the same way I talk about depositing those uh, images into archives, I don't come up with plot lines that, that I want to shoot. Instead, I'm now actively involved in collecting images that I might be able to use in the future. And by doing so, I only recruited and also worked with a very small group of people, a cinematographer, a sound person, and that will be the crew that I will put together to start depositing and exploring different images that I would like to save and archive. And almost as if that, as a filmmaker, I now have went back to the, the elementary school of filmmaking somehow relearning everything and subverting, uh, subverting everything that I have done in the past and trying to find a new way to express myself. The same way with, uh, in terms of Lee Kangshan and Anang, I also want to somehow find a different way to capture them, to make films about them. But the quintessential qualities I want to maintain in all my film will be as natural as possible, as simple as possible. And those are the only reasons why I will continue to make films. So just to clarify, you finished three or four short films this year, shot, shot during the pandemic? Wow, um, it's great to know some of us have had a production quarantine. Uh, that's exciting. Um, I think that's a good note to end on because that's that's what we all wanted to hear that you that you are continuing to make work. I'm just going to end by saying that there's an outpouring of expressions of gratitude and appreciation for your work and for this new film um, in the chat. So um, thank you so much for for this film, for your work, and for being part of the festival this year. <laughs> I'm very curious and a little concerned about what's it like to watch my film in a driving because I tend to think that the, my film will be best shown in an enclosed setting because there are so many details yep. that I missed um, that this yeah. we <laughs> As soon as cinema's open, we'll do that. Um, but you know, the, the observation about the cat was uh, from, from Brayden who watched it at the drive-in. So I think uh, some very attentive viewers here. And uh, a friend of mine actually translated some of the reviews and articles uh, of people after they watched the film in drive-ins the other days and they seem to enjoy the film and a lot of positive reactions so i'm very glad to know that and Great. thank you very much for the support thank mm. you
Thank you so much. Yeah. And Vincent, thank you. Amazing, even by your standards. Oh, yeah. great. <laughs> thank you mm, so much. Thanks all for being with us.